Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For this day that you have made, we thank you, Lord, for the provisions that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord, for the abundance of the thoughts you've had towards us and that you, Lord, have prepared a way where there seems to be no way. We pray, Father God, that you would give us understanding and that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that you would give us what we need today so that we might understand the times and the seasons we're living in and that we might be able to overcome every obstacle and interference, Lord, and that we might inherit those great and precious promises that you have made towards those who seek you, Lord. Give us a heart to be receptive to your word. Give us understanding so that we can know you, Father God, and be known by you, and that in all things, Lord, we would be fruitful, that we would increase, that we would declare your faithfulness in a, in a crazy world, Lord. We pray that we would be those that would offer a glimpse of, of hope and of understanding to a lost world. We pray that your peace would be upon us and that your word would uh, be sent out and not return void, O oh God. We pray, Father God, that you would give us a heart to be faithful to you at all times. And we give you thanks because we know, Lord, that you will finish the good work you have begun, Lord. And the plans that you have separated us unto shall be fulfilled, and uh, we shall declare the great works of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometime before the end of this year, we want to go ahead and, and have that one service where we're all going to come and share the the, the, what happened this year, because at the beginning of this year, the Lord told us it would be a year of dreams come true. And for many, uh, we've seen this taking place. Things that were far unattainable have come into uh, reality. And we're going to have uh, just a whole night uh, of declaring the works that the Lord has done because he's the God that declares something before it comes to pass. And in January, when we're sitting around asking the Lord what this year would be fulfilled with, the Lord says that through his grace, he would, uh, it was according to Psalm 126, I believe, he says, they shall be like those that are dreaming. When God's fulfillment comes into your life, the full expression of his fulfillment in Psalm uh, 126, he says, look at the great things that God has done. He's brought us out of tight places, and we were like those, 126 verse 1. He brought us back from difficult places, and he says we were like those who were dreaming. And so there's only one type of people that don't dream, and it's those that are going through nightmares. When you're not living the purpose and the plan of God for your life, it's nightmarish. And I remember those years in my life. And so let us turn to the Word of God now so that we could understand a little bit of where God is leading us to. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul is writing in the New Testament, and he says these words, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of those that were in the wilderness, and most of them were scattered and lost their lives in the desert. Now, if you're a Christian you need to be acquainted with wilderness. You need to be acquainted with a road that doesn't seem like a road that you would choose. 
And many times when God is leading us through this wilderness, if we don't understand the wilderness, we will not get through it. And I'll guarantee you one thing as a Christian. The Lord has prepared many a wilderness for your life, and it's with a purpose. It's not to destroy you. We see the people of Israel, when they started on their wilderness route on the way to the promised land, that they came up to Moses and they said, Moses, did God bring us out here to kill us? We should have stayed where we were. How many have felt like that? You know, why did I have to draw near to the Lord? It almost seems that it got worse. The closer I get to God, the harder it is. But let me tell you that one of the purposes for wilderness, um, and, and we'll start right there. You just, you just, every wilderness will remind you of God. This is, this is a, an appointment that God has for you, and it's tailored and fashioned to only you. It's a, it's a, it's a walk that you're going to look to the side and try to blame somebody. You're going to say, it's my husband's fault. It's, it's the government. It's the economy. It's the, the lack of employment. No, no, no. Listen to me. Uh, a season in the wilderness is not by accident, and it's not there to do you harm. I'm going to tell you that I could only preach this message after 30 years of walking with the Lord. And let me tell you something. I've learned not only to allow God to lead me through a wilderness. I've learned like Jesus Christ, sometimes I want to run into a wilderness. Because there in the wilderness, I'm going to find God. I'm going to have a, it's just going to be me and the Lord. And I could hear his voice clearly. And there's no, there's nothing in the wilderness. Could you say nothing? nothing's there but God and so when God is there he speaks more clearly and you hear more clearly in the hustle and bustle of the city and amongst a very populous place because again in the wilderness there's nobody and so you'll see throughout scripture that God has decided that this place of wilderness would be the place that he will allow us to focus he will allow us to prepare It was God who told Abraham, leave your mother and father, leave your family, leave the city, leave where you're comfortable, leave where your confidence is on something else. Leave on where your comforts come from those things around you. And so there, this world-changing wilderness, I'll tell you something that everyone who's ever gone through a wilderness, be it in the Bible or be it now in the modern times, has found his strength, his fruitfulness, um, you'll see every, every man of God led into the wilderness by the Lord uh, comes out more focused, more passioned, uh, more faithful, more mature. And many want to look around and place the responsibility for the desert on somebody. It must be. I had a man this week came to my office. He says, you know, Pastor, I think that you're the reason why I'm in a desert. I was listening to you, and and that's why I'm in the desert. I said, no, you're in the desert because God is faithful. You're in the desert because God wants to perform something. You're in the desert because God wants to perfect something. And if you're going to blame somebody for being in the desert, I, I suggest, I really do, I suggest that you say, God, you have me in this place. You created the circumstances. You, you put everything in its place, and here I find myself in the middle of nowhere, and the, I could blame other people, 
But the truth of the matter is, you are the one that led me in this place. And the focus, guess what the focus is on? We who walk in the desert want to focus on other people, but God wants to focus on you. You, you want to blame uh, the, the legal system. You want to blame uh, accounting. You want to blame your employees, the economy, the industry. But the truth of the matter, it's the love of God who's brought you to the desert. And you won't understand this until you hear God speak to those that are in the desert. One of the examples that I have here, how God speaks, is Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. And as he's speaking to his people, he says, I was the one that allured her. I was the one that led her. Amos 2.14. I mean, Hosea 2.14. Hosea 2.14. I will allure her and bring her to a wilderness so there I might speak to her tenderly. You know that in the desert, God doesn't have to shout. He doesn't have to speak over other people. He could just say, you hear me now? It says, yes, because you're the only one here. You're the only one here. I, I don't have any other thing to think upon or to hear upon other than the voice of God. And, and remember, again, look, look what it says here. I will lead her into a desert. Who's the one that's doing the leading? It's God. It's God, and, and when it's God who's doing the leading, um, let me, could I suggest something? You had better follow God. Because if you go into the desert and stop following God, you die. You die. You have no way to get out of a desert unless you're following God. And we see this all over the Bible as he led his people into the desert. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, that as he led them into this desert, the Lord went ahead of them. Make sure that you're following the Lord into this desert. Make sure He's the one that you're following and you don't decide to rebel and disobey in the desert because you will perish in the desert. You will die and not come back from this trial. You will, you will lose touch with God, the very God who led you in there to draw closer to you. He wants to show you something. And again, the desert is about you. It's about no one else. It's not about your wife. It's not about your marriage. It's not about your family. It's not about your problem. It's not about your finances. It's about you and God. And there he says, by the day the Lord went ahead of them and led them in the pillar of the cloud to guide them on their way. He says, look up to the heavens. Look up to where I'm trying to lead you because there will be a cloud and how many know that a cloud is good in the desert? Why? Because it gives you shade. And if you allow God to, to be the one who leads you, and you follow that cloud during the day, and what happens at night in the desert? It becomes very cold, so he says he becomes a pillar of fire at night to give them light so they could travel, whether it be by day or by night. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your emotions. Embrace your desert. Embrace your wilderness. For there in the wilderness you'll hear the voice of the Lord, like it says in Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. For the Lord wants to give unto you a highway. And a highway means a higher way of living. A higher way of fulfilling God's purpose. 
And I thank God for the fire of the desert that purifies those things that really at the end of the day don't matter. And as a friend of mine is going through a wilderness, he finally meets up with the fact that his job is not important, his finances are not important, his dreams are not important, his goals are not important, his family is important. So he turns around to his family and he says, how come we don't become a better family? How many think that that's a great result from being in the desert? To get a revelation that your money doesn't matter, that your business doesn't matter, that what really matters, because you're going through a desert to say, what are the most important things when you're going through a desert of health, when you're going through a desert of loneliness? Because one of the words for desert in the Bible is a time to be alone, a time to be lonely. And that's a desert for some people. And that God wants to take them through this so they might cherish their relationships all the more and decide what's more important. And it's not based on circumstance. For in the desert, you will realize that the only thing you need, we could all say it together, is God. I don't know what you're crying about this morning, but I pray that you would have a revelation in a desert that the only thing you need is God. He is sufficient. He's more than sufficient. He has the abundance to fill all things in all things. And many times we want to fill our lives with a thousand things, and you're going to find out that in the desert, the only thing that will sustain you is God. And God will lead you to himself. I asked the Lord early on. I said, Lord, I have an issue. And it was early on in my Christian walk. And I asked him, why, why, why? Why do you have me going through a desert? Lord, I don't like deserts. And and this was early as a Christian. One of the the first things, you, you come out of Egypt, you get water baptized, and you find yourself going into the desert. And the desert is before the promised land. And I ask God, God, why? He says, I want to know some things about you. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord led me to verse 2. You shall there remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Okay, God, what for? To humble you? A desert's a place where the only sufficiency is God. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. If you're stuck on you, you're stuck on stupid. If you think you're the one that's going to pull you out of the present situation, you're out of your mind. The only one that can pull you through any circumstances is God. And for some of us, that's very humbling because we think we could do it on our own. And I've learned a long time ago that when you let God, you let go, you let God, then things start coming into their places. Things start falling in their priority. Then I start enjoying everything that's going on because even prosperity without God is not enjoyable. My friends are reminded with all their with the stomach ulcers and all the anxiety and all the panic attacks and all the pills full of, of indigestion, that the more they increase, the more they don't sleep, the more they don't, they, the life doesn't make sense. The more prosperity they have, the less enjoyment they have in life. And so God says, I brought you there, verse 2, so that I can humble you. Okay, Lord, I'm very humbled right now because I can't do anything, and it's kind of obvious that you have me in a desert. And I don't know my way out, and it's all dark. Unless it was for your light, I could not see. If it wasn't for your cloud, I could not have refreshing. And he says, not only did I bring you to this place to humble you, and if there's anything that the Lord is an expert at, 
Does anybody know? It says humbling the proud. He knows how to fix the the attitude. He, this is a perfect attitude adjustment process. He knows how to humble those that exalt themselves. And he says, not only did I bring you out here that I might humble you, but I brought you out here to test you. Well, Lord, what do you want to test? I want to test your heart to know what was in your heart. Because there's nothing that reveals the heart more than difficult times. How many say amen? When we're going through difficult times, those real words come out of our heart. Those real attitudes come out of our spirit. And so God brings you into a time of difficulty because there he's going to decide whether you're not you're a good husband, a good wife, a good Christian. Just turn up the fire a little bit and you'll start seeing that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. I want to know what's in your heart. Whether you would um, keep my commandments, whether you will walk in my ways. And so verse 3 says, he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with his provision which you never knew. Your fathers before you did not know that he might make you recognize. The desert is a place to make you recognize, personally know, that man shall not live by his own ways, but by every word and instruction that comes from the mouth of God. I was talking to a friend last week, and he says, and he's not really known in his sphere of friends and his profession to be a man of faith. But when he lost his job, how many know that that's a desert? And in the time of difficulty, he jumped on his car and he drove down to the Keys and he pulled to the side of the road and for 45 minutes, a man who's not a man necessarily of faith, a man who's not necessarily a man known for his walk with God, is now turning to God. And I don't know about you. Do you understand that your times of difficulty is when you start looking up to heaven? Is it the same with you as with me? If I could run down the street and my answer is found in a new job or a new contact or a new friend, I don't need God. And my desert is very for the purpose of meeting with God and getting my attention to see what was in my heart, to see what I would do if I was allowed to lack a little bit. In verse 3, he says, to make you recognize and personally know that you need me. And when you're with me, verse 4, your clothing did not become old, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. Isn't it awesome that it, God chooses these type of inroads in our lives to deal with us? And I want to tell you that the desert is to prepare you for another place. And I, I, I see it here in verse 7. The desert is to prepare you for the places that are coming. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land. It's a land that has no lack in it. It has streams of pools, springs of flowing, valleys and hills. It's a land prepared, verse 8, with barley and wheat and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees, honey. A land which you shall eat without shortage or lack of nothing. A land whose stones are iron out of whose hills you will dig copper. And be careful because the desert is a place that will prepare you to understand where your increase will come from. He says, be careful that when you prosper, you don't say, I did this on my own, verse 10. Man, I, I thank God for every single valley in my life, every single wilderness. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you praise the Lord your God for the good He has given you and not be lifted in your own minds 
in verse 11, he says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God and keeping his ways and his commands. Verse 12, because it might be that when you have eaten and are fooled and have built incredible houses and live in them, when your herds have been multiplied and your flocks have increased, verse 13, and your silver and gold is multiplied and you have blown up incredibly, verse 14, then your hearts would be lifted up and you forget God. You forget God. Verse 15, who led you through, say with me, great and terrible wildernesses. How many are going through one of those great and terrible times where there's scorpions, where there's serpents, where, where you're like, what is this life all about? He brought you water out of a hard rock in a place where there was, listen to me, have you ever heard about trying to squeeze uh, water out of a rock, trying to squeeze uh, blood out of a turnip type of deal, where you're trying to get some provision, and God says, I will bring water out of a rock. In the place where there's nothing, I'm going to cause a spring to flow. And this is why God is bringing us to these places. And, and if you spend too much time blaming other people for being in your wilderness, and you're blaming uh, the circumstances and the situation and your industry and, and the flow of the stock market. You're doing all these things. You have missed the ball. You have missed the mark. It's God who brings you through this. And it's with a purpose. He says, who led you through these great and terrible wildernesses with the fiery serpents and scorpions, a thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you forth out of a, uh, a flint rock, Verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with something you weren't accustomed to being fed with, which your fathers did not know, so that he might, again, verse 16, he says, so I could humble you, so I can test you, so that I can do you good on the other side of the wilderness. I thank God that in the wilderness, stupidity is removed. Ignorance is removed. Pride is removed. All those things that were stuck on stupid are removed. All the stinking thinking is removed. Because, see, God has a great and mighty future for those of us that are following Him. And He has to bring us through these tough times. And then it says in verse 18, remember. Verse 17, I'm sorry. 17 says, beware, be careful, lest you say in your heart, it's been my, my own power and my own hand that I've increased and prospered. But you shall always remember after you go through these deserts, you'll remember the Lord your God, for it is Him who gives you the power to make wealth. It is He that establishes His covenant. It's He that keeps His promises. Verse 19, and if you forget the Lord your God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you, you shall surely perish. Like the nations the Lord makes to perish before you, you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So I'm wondering if in this time of wilderness, what the Lord is saying, I said, I wonder what direction they're going to head. wonder what, when the times are coming that are, that are desolate, because that's another word for desert and wilderness in the Bible, it's a, it's a time where there's nothing in any direction. Where are you going to run? Where are you going to head to? And these times of wilderness are prepared from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, he says, He who brings you into these trials will also be he who provides a way of escape. 
I want to tell you that not only is the wilderness about you, and it's not about other people, and it's God who created these wildernesses, and it's with a purpose. And so I'm saying, Lord, if I'm going through a difficult time, instead of beating around the bush and acting like it's not about me, I want to say, Lord, I know that I'm going through this time because you want to deal with something in my life. And I want to clear my ears so that I can hear you clearly. And I want to know you. And I want to have my instruction. And what are the things you're going to give me during this time that will help me in the times to come? And so my valley doesn't become a a terrible place. It becomes a divine appointment. 1 Corinthians 10.13, he says, No trial has come to you which is not normal. It's not normal to man. Why is it not normal to man? Because God is faithful to all men, to bring all men through, through trials. And he will not let you be tempted or destroyed. Your wilderness is not coming so that you could not believe in God. It's so that you can believe all the more quicker. Say, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you, Lord. Yeah, I got you now, Lord. Now I know what you want to do. In this very area where I think there's lack is the very area you're preparing me to perform the fulfillment of your purpose. And you're taking me to refine the edges. To the fire is burning. You want to burn something out of my life. You want to make me place, say this with me, place my trust in God. And we don't like that. That's why most of you didn't say it. This is a time where we want to transfer the management of the business into the hands of a faithful God. Not a dumb unbeliever who doubts the faithfulness of a God who's led him all the way out of Egypt. All the way out of the hand of Pharaoh. All the way to ten plagues. Open the Red Sea and we're in a desert saying, where is God? He brought me here to kill me. That has to be some real dumb thinking that you would rather stick with Satan and his prosperity than a faithful God that is more concerned about his relationship with you than your relationship with things. Things. Those things that surround us that that fill in the gap. And so it's those people who allow themselves to be gone into this, which is common to man. God is faithful. He will not bring a burden, a trial, a wilderness that you won't be able to handle. Why? Because he's with you. He's not going to let you perish. But with every trial, he will make, say with me, a way of escape. He makes a way where there is no way. So that you might be able to endure. The word endure means suffering. Could I tell you something? In a desert, you're supposed to suffer. You're supposed to feel the lack. You're supposed to see. And, and you know, some of the worst thing you could do in the wilderness or in a desert is act like you're not in the desert. And you're going through problems and you say, there is some water. And you run over and you dive in to a mirage. There's nothing there. You're in a desert. Be careful that in the desert you're not expecting these lavish pools of water. Because it's there with the purpose of suffering, hardship. It's there so that you can develop patience and waiting. The the attributes of the character of God are formed in the desert. That's why he called Abraham to the desert. That's why he called Moses to the desert. That's why 15 years David was running in caves and deserts. He was forming the character of a king. Joseph had to be put outside of his family in Egypt. And there he was refined as a prince 
ready to steward the increase. And so when we're going through desert, and those of us that are Christians have to stop fantasizing with the fact that there are no wildernesses in the Lord. Of course there is. And the Bible says there in Psalm 84, verse 6, that as we go through these valleys of tears, valleys of hardships, valleys that, that we wish and we, we wonder, you know, is it God who's leading us? Maybe we're in the wrong church at the wrong place. Maybe we're in the wrong family. I'm in the wrong marriage. I'm in the wrong business. No. It's these things that are going to try you and bring you through. And it says the valley of tears shall become a place where there will be pools of water. There will be an overflow of abundance of all things. As he leads us to these wilderness. What's on the other side of the wilderness the Lord led them? Say with me, promised land. As an increase beyond your understanding. And so that you're not lost in the, in the blessings. In Psalm 107, verse 35, he turned the desert into pools of water. Parched ground where there was no water, he turned into flowing springs. Who turned these things? God. Your economy, your, your, your blessing, your peace comes from the Lord. Psalm 114, verse 8, he says, Who turned the rock into a pool, a hard rock into a spring of water. And so, yes, it's a time of, of freaking out as we go into these things, understanding that maybe, you know, we're not going to be able to survive. But I'm here to tell you that there is something called the world-changing wilderness. And, and we'll be going through it at different times in our lives. And, and some of us will learn to run to the wilderness. And you say, why would you run to a wilderness? Because I need to hear from God. I need God to deal with me. I need, I need God. I need something to show forth that God is leading my life. And I'm not leading it on my own. Isaiah 32.15 says, till the spirit is poured out from high. And the desert becomes a fertile field. And a fertile field seems like a forest. You see the increase here. As you go into the desert, God will begin to speak of those things that are in your life that need to be removed and taken out. He'll talk to you about those things that need to be increased and added. He'll talk about those things that need to be refined and polished. He'll start ministering to you like no one can minister to you. There's all types of good ministry, but there's nothing like a season in the desert where the Spirit of God is the one that's ministering to you. And you're hearing that voice. In Exodus chapter 16, we see as he led his people, verse 1, they set out from Elim and all the congregation of Israel came to the wilderness, which is between Elim and Sinai. That's, that's the front part of the desert. On the 15th day of the second month, after they have left the land of Egypt, you feel you leave the world and all its sin and all its misery, and now the Lord is leading you not to a pool of water, but to a, a wilderness. He's leading to you to a tight, fit place. And he said to them, would it that be, this is what these people said in verse 2. I hope this is not you. And the whole congregation of Israel began to complain against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Is that like us that when we start going through a wilderness, we start trying to blame somebody? We start trying to point fingers as the reason why we have just approached a desert? Somebody took us in the wrong direction. Somebody led us in the wrong path. No. Has nothing to do with that. 
And you'll start grumbling and you'll lose the whole purpose of the desert if you don't start saying like this. You say with me. You say, I'm in the desert. God led me here. He must want to tell me something. He might want me to, you know, another word for desert is transition or change. And so God wants to change the course. And he said to them, this is what the leaders of the congregation said to Moses. Why didn't you leave us when we were in the world? Why, see, would it, would it that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt? When we sat by incredible barbecues next to pools and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out here to a wilderness so that we can die by hunger. See, if you get a fleshly approach on the wilderness, you'll discourage everybody around you. You'll discourage your own self. You'll say God is bringing this because he's angry with us. He wants to kill us. And the Lord says, Behold, I will rain bread, verse 4, from heavens for you. Your source will now come from me, and the people shall go out and gather the day's portion every day so that I can test them whether they will walk in my ways. On the sixth day, they shall prepare to bring twice as much as they gather in daily. In the desert, you learn God's schedule, God's agenda, God's priorities. And Moses and Aaron said to the people, At evening you shall know that the Lord brought you out of Egypt, and he's the one that's brought you into this desert. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you murmur against us? Why are you pointing your fingers at us for the desert God is leading you in? This is about you. It's not about your girlfriend, a boyfriend, your friend. This is about you. And Moses says this will happen when the Lord gives you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread till you're full because the Lord has heard your complaining, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but they're against the Lord. Uh, you know, there's part of this message that I want to make sure that you get because if you're going to be able to be successful going through these hard times, I need for you to be grateful in the midst of these traversing. It changes the whole aspect when you start thanking God for your desert. And you say, God, I must, I must be in need of a little adjustment because you're leading me into a difficult place. And, and so your heart turns from complaining to thankfulness. Lord, thank you. Because you've made time for me and you have fashioned this little, this little journey through a tight place to deal with my unbelief with my attitudes with my midget thinking you want to stretch me you, you want to make something better about what's going on you'll start looking at your schedule your agenda you'll start looking about everything in your life when you're going through a desert you might think you have a mole and it's full of cancer you'll scrutinize everything a desert's an awesome place you start trying to figure out lord what's going to happen now and the lord is trying like gps bringing you in Hot, 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 hot. And he's bringing you to the very place, and you're going to say, wow, thank God he, he dealt with me with this great love. Thank God that he, no one else could talk to me like he talks to me when I'm in the desert. And so look, he, he provided for them, and on Saturday they were to fill in for two evenings. 
Let's just rearrange because every day he would cause it in verse 14. And the dew had gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay fine flake-like thing that was like, like bread. And when the Israelites, verse 15, saw it, they said, what is this? The Hebrew word manna means, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you today so that you might eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Let every man gather as much as he needs, each person according to the number of the persons in your tent, and take it every man for his own tent. The people did so and gathered some more, some less. When they measured it, he gathered in much, had nothing left over. And he who gathered litter had no lack. Each gathered according to his need. And Moses said, let nothing be left until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some of them left until morning, and, and they gathered more than they were supposed to, and it turned into worms. And it began to stink and was foul. And Moses was upset. Isn't it tremendous? Verse 22, it says, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much as they needed, and all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said, the Lord said, tomorrow is a day of rest, a day of the Sabbath. Bake and boil what you bake and boil today, that all that remains shall be put aside for you to keep until morning. And they laid it aside till morning, as Moses told them, and it did not become foul, neither did it become full of maggots and wormy. Moses said, Eat that day, for today is Sabbath, and the Lord, six days you shall gather, but the seventh day shall be a day of rest. And they found none. The Lord says in verse 28 to Moses, How long do you people refuse to live according to my ways? Verse 29, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day for two days. Let every man remain in his place, and let no man leave his place until the seventh. And so you see that God's provision in the desert is perfect. You see that God wants to align. God wants to give you something new, something fresh, something that's a connect with him. If they were in Egypt, they would continue to raw, uh, run down to the local markets and get their own fill. In Hosea chapter 2, he says, I'm going to draw you into these deserts. In verse 15, he says, there I will give her vineyards. And where there was previous tears and hardships and difficulties, there I will make a door of hope and expectation. She shall sing there and respond as in the days of her youth. I want to tell you something that before we came to the Lord, we were in a wilderness, and the Lord called us out to himself, and we ran to that wilderness that seemed to be of the Lord. And our families would say, these people have gone crazy. They're going out there to a place that nobody goes, where there's nothing, and they're running out there to get their provision from the presence of God. But it seems to be that when we start becoming Christians for a season, we walk away from that place of wilderness. And then the Lord has to call us back and says, come back like in the days when you first started, when I brought you out of the world. And this is what happens in the desert. Verse 16, and it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband. And you shall no more call me confusing names. There was a transference in my law practice many years ago. As I started practicing law, all my source of income would come from a particular field of practice, and all of a sudden it would dry up, and I was like, what happened? 
and then there was a pool of water here of provision in another area of my business, and, and I said, okay, this is it. And you want to build a shrine around there? You want to make that your source, your God, that speaks to you? And God says, no, I'm your source. And that pool dries up. And so God is leading us to the way we should go. Where should we go? To God himself. And he says here that I will give to you. Let's go ahead and read um, verse 17. For I will take away from you the names of other idols out of your mouth. There shall be no more mention. It's not going to be about the, the sources outside of God that become our source. It's not, it's not the, uh, this plant. It's not that plant. It's not this company. It's God. It's God. And so you learn how to, in these deserts, to lift your eyes to the heavens. Where does my source come from? I'm not going to make these pools my gods to bow down to them. Neither will their names be in your mouth anymore. They shall no more, verse 17, be mentioned or seriously remembered. In verse 18, in that day I make a covenant for Israel with the living creatures in the open of the open country and with the birds of heaven, the creeping things on the ground. I will break the bow and the sword. I will, I will destroy all the weapons of your trust. And it will be me that causes you to lay down safely, not the market, not Wall Street, not the political systems, not, not the political parties. And in verse 19, he says, I will be your husband forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice in a steadfast. He's going to bring stability in our life. And this thing about being on the up and on the down and on the up and on the down is when you're out of God. When you're in God, there is this stability. And I've learned from season to season to go, oh, my God, I know he's going to catch me. Oh, here we go again on one of these wilderness travels where I can see nothing unless it's the light of the Lord. When I feel cold unless I'm next to the pillar of God. Where I'm not fantasizing about a mirage. Because I know that his source is sufficient. I'm not seeing things in the desert. My eyes are fixed on God. Things don't come and go. He's there and he's faithful. And it says there in verse 20, I will betroth you to me, say with me, instability. That's what this world doesn't have. That's why the people, they're millionaires, burning made off. Oh, he's the man. I hate his guts. I'll spit on his face. Why? Because it's a fault. It's an illusion to be somewhere where God is not. And then and the next day, you don't have family, you don't have wealth, you don't have nothing because you're not founded in him. He's not your source. He's not your strength. And thank God for the deserts that refine this in our lives. I will give you stability. I will be your faithfulness. I will show you. You will recognize, be acquainted. You will appreciate and give heed. And you will cherish the Lord. That's the focus. That's where we're headed. That's why Christians nowadays are all over the place. They refuse to go with God to the wilderness. And in that day, verse 21, I will respond, says the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and they shall respond to the earth. We will ask the heavens to reign, and the earth will, will receive what I send. Verse 22, the earth shall respond, the grain, the wine, the oil, and these shall respond. To those who pray, 
In verse 23, and I will sow her for myself anew in the land. I'm going to put you in a beautiful place. I will give love and pity and mercy who the one who had not received this. I will say to those who were not my people, hey guys, you belong to me. You belong to me. Quit wandering in these in these God forbidden places outside of God. There was a time and a place where the people of God became famous for only being able to to rejoice when things were going good. And so the enemy said, we can attack them when they're going through a wilderness. Because in the wilderness, my people get depressed. These people stop praising the Lord. They start uh, marrying off to unbelievers. They start trusting and putting their faith on idols. And God said like this, he heard that from the heavens in 1 Kings 20, 28. And there came a man of God and spake to the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because your enemies have said the Lord is only powerful in the hills and he's not the God of the valleys in the wilderness, therefore I will deliver this great multitude that you will know that I am mighty even in desolate places. That I am mighty even when you, and, and get this with me once and for all. Can you say with me, God is always present? Because once we start going through the desert, we're like, where'd you go, God? What happened? He's there. Why is he there? He's promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. So when the devil in the wilderness makes you believe he's not there, he's right there. And you can thank God, and you know it's just a season. You know it's just a time. You know that God is bringing you into a great place. You know that you're not a, a, a extraterrestrial. You're not a Martian. God has not forgotten about you. All over the Bible, he has to tell his people, I'm there for you. I brought you there only for one reason. We could read the reason right there, Isaiah 48, verse 4. I had to break your neck, my friend. You're too proud. You're walking in self-sufficiency. You thought it was all about you. You forgot it was me. For I knew how stubborn you were. I knew how stiff-necked you were. I knew your forehead was, was a bronze. You would not receive my word. I need to close, close the source. This is why God brings us into the desert. And I, I'm telling you, now I have to understand that when God is taking me through these pathways, something I need to learn. It's not about anybody but me. And it's God trying to get my attention. And he's speaking directly and I need to hear him, and I, I need to focus and say, Lord, what's going on? Yeah, okay, yes, Lord, yes, okay, I'm sorry, Lord, I, did, I, I missed that. And, and you, you readjust, you realign. And he says, I brought you to this place because you're stubborn, you're hard-headed, and there's never any peace for those that, look what it says in verse 22 there. There's no peace for the wicked, those who refuse to learn in the desert. But for those that are in the desert and they know why God is sending them there and they know why they're traversing this place, verse 21 says, they thirsted not when they went through these wilderness. That's one of the things that I said. I said, Lord, I'm going to die, and I don't. Lord, I'm going to starve, and I don't. Lord, I'm going to be thirsty, and I'm not. And even in the wilderness, you see the Lord's goodness upon your life. You're not in the great lavish abundance of extravagance, but it was because we didn't follow the Lord. The more he blessed us, the farther we got from him. The more he increased, the less you had to seek his face. How much, fa how much time you have to seek the Lord when you got a wilderness? All the time. I'm unemployed. Might as well go to church. 
What happened when you were employed and never went to church? So God has to sit there and lead you into a wilderness. He has to take your marriage, your employment, your business, your clients, your contracts. This one man in Mexico had 300 employees. He was a young man. He was 30 years old, 300 employees making shoes. And you know what he dared to say? Not even God could take my prosperity from me now. Not even God could slow me down now. And he got a phone call the next day, and his largest account that employed the 300 people says, we don't need your work anymore. We don't need your business. Because our heart turns away from God. We're bloated in pride. The faithfulness I have from the Lord and in my life with the Lord, when the Lord starts stripping me of my glory, amen? When he starts taking away from my life things that I, I bow down before him and say, Lord, take what's left of me. Nothing's left of me. Nothing. We've come to nothing. God has to bring us to that place. And so we, we see here and we finish with this. In Psalm 78, verse 19, sometimes you get into this wilderness and you begin to ask stupid questions like Israel did. And you speak against God and you say, can God furnish any provision in the wilderness? Is that a dumb question or what? If God takes you into the desert, can't he lead you out of it? If God is able to remove things so you focus upon him, can he not fill the table? Can he not spread the dinner cloth on the feasting table? Verse 20 says, he did smite the rock so that waters gushed out and streams overflow. But can he also give bread? Can he provide for his people? Therefore, the Lord was angry with Jacob and his anger mounted up against Israel. Because in God they believed not. In the middle of this whole thing, they trusted not in his salvation. Verse 23, yet commanded clouds to be above them and opened doors of the heavens. And he rained down upon them food and gave them heaven's grain. Everyone ate of the bread of the mighty, bread of angels. God sent meat in abundance. But God in his wrath came upon them and he brought down the strongest, the the sturdiest, the, the most competent, able of them, he destroyed. Smote down Israel's chosen youth. In spite of all this, they didn't turn. They still sinned more. They believed not. Verse 40 says, As often as they defiled and rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Now this is all to determine the attitude of your heart. And I don't want to know if in if in God your heart turns evil, what would happen if you prospered? I could only say you're going to do much more. Let's stand this morning and say, God, in the midst of this famine, in the midst of this difficult time, in the midst of, of what I'm going through, and I, I've thought of this a thousand times. I've thought of this a thousand times. Could God in one instant change my circumstance? Answer, yes. If God in one instance could change my circumstance, it, it must be that there's still something that he needs to do. There's still something he needs to say. There's still something that I need to hear. There's still something that is in my life that I haven't settled accounts. I'm blaming my brother, my sister, my church, my pastor. 
I'm blaming my youth. I'm blaming my parents. I'm blaming the circumstances. And God is saying, hey, buddy, how about you? How about you? Can you listen to my voice? Can you hear my commands? Can you follow my ways? Or do you need a perpetual wilderness? I want to tell you something. Historically, those that know about the Bible more than I do have determined that the people of Israel could have gone into their promised land after 11 days. A week and a half. From the time he took them out of Egypt to bring them into his promises. You know what? They took 40 years and some of them never entered in. And it wasn't because God's promises are false. And it wasn't because the desert was too strong. It wasn't the heat in the desert. It wasn't the cold in the desert. It wasn't the snake or the scorpions. It wasn't the lack of food. It wasn't the lack of water. There's only one thing that will keep you from God's promises in your life. And you know who that will be? You point your finger at you. You're responsible for how long you spend in the desert. You're responsible for how long the testing comes. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, When you enter into these wilderness, start to rejoice. Start to count it all joy when God leads you into diverse wilderness, specially made and tailored with your name on it, that you might become a stronger people, that you become a more faithful people, that you become a believing people, that your steadfast confidence is in the Lord and in nothing else. Father, we thank you for your goodness in this place. Lord, we thank you because even in tough times, Lord, you will cause us to increase. You will strengthen us. We will have greater revelations of who you are. We will, the test will produce greater testimonies. The mess, like I read last night, will become a greater message. Lord, all these things that come into my life are specifically tailored and their ingredients for the recipe is for excellence for the Lord. We give you thanks for trying us. We give you thanks for every wilderness that you have designed. We know the time there is not well vested, Lord. We know that it is specifically catered to that which will make us a great people. And I pray, O oh God, that we would from this day forward embrace times of wilderness to be alone with God. And that we would not be left, Lord, and put to shame because we run and fret and unbelief and speak the words that are not to be spoken. That there would be gratefulness in our hearts. That the words might be words of wisdom. That we know, Lord, that we will come out the other side polished like gold, refined in fire. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the people of God say amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.